Man, I love my church. Amen? It's so great to be back, so great to be back with you, and um, I'll, over the next couple of weeks, tell you all about our experience in Southeast Asia, sharing the gospel amongst some of the least reached or the unreached. I'll give you just a quick snippet. We were able to share the gospel with a little over 2,500 people in homes and groups no larger than 50, partnering with uh, in-country, near-culture, in-culture, national leaders who remain there with a the church planting movement. We are able to share the gospel with a little over 20. 2,500 people, saw over 300 people came to Christ, got plugged into the church planning. Yeah, amen. And so we work with an organization there that works all over Southeast Asia. And in this one particular district, this one particular state of West Bengal, in the last six years, a group of 20 people came together, trained, equipped, released to be disciples who make disciples. And over the last five years have gone from 20 people to 147,000 people a week gathering in story groups to hear the gospel. Yeah, 147,000. They don't own churches, they don't own buildings, but by the power of the gospel, their lives have been changed. They say, I have nothing else to live for but Jesus, my King. And they go into every district and every village and tell everybody they can about Jesus. And they go and they look and they gather and they lead them to become obedient followers of Jesus. They plant more groups and then they multiply. And the same Holy Spirit that's at work in Southeast Asia is the same Holy Spirit at work in Nolensville. And we have been saying from day one, we don't need a building to be a church. And we have seen God do incredible things here. And I believe he's just getting started. Amen? And I I love my church. I love that, that we have tripled in size since we came to Nolensville. I mean, you wouldn't notice it today because it's fall break. It's the lowest attended service of the year. But hello, you are Jesus' favorites because you're here. <laughs> but I love my church. I love in the last two weeks, we've had close to 100 people that are brand new to our church in the last couple of months step up and say, I don't want to just gather. I want to own the mission. 100 new people. Y'all applaud for them. Hello. 100 folks. Now, if you're a guest... If you're a guest, we say every week, hey, we don't, we don't ask anything of you. We're not seeking anything from you. We just want to serve you. We want to bless you. But man, if you've been with us, if you've been gathering with us, if someone has welcomed you, has greeted you, has served you, has served your kids, has come alongside of you, ministered to you in any way, then come be a part of serving the next great wave of people that are coming. Because they say when we open the new building at the end of this year, 40% increase in attendance is going to come. And we're saying, hey, let's be ready to love and serve the people that are coming. And I love my church. I love that we get to be a part of what very few people in the United States that are gathering in a local church get to see. Growth, conversion, baptism, great things. Are y'all excited? Amen. Now, something else to be excited about. Because I just traveled for a little over 40 hours to get back here and preach to you today, it's probably going to be a short sermon. Hey, y'all don't applaud. No, I don't know. Y'all can't applaud Jesus, don't applaud short sermons. So, man, I'm glad to be here. Our mission statement is this. It's to engage the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ anywhere, anytime, and with anybody. Whether that anybody is about 10,000 miles away on the other side of the world or that person is your neighbor. Are they across a cup of coffee? Are they on your sports team? Are they at your school or your office cubicle? 
we have been called and commanded by God to engage the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ anywhere, anytime, and with anybody. And we, as a church, we want to be ready and willing conduits of God's grace and truth because the reality is the lost and searching are not commanded to come to church. But the church has been commanded to go to the lost and searching. And, and so we, we want to gather, and we want to gather well, but we want to scatter. We want to scatter well. And if we're going to engage the whole person with the whole gospel, then, then we, you and I, we have to be engaged fully with the whole gospel ourselves, with our hearts, with our souls, and with our minds. We, we have to be wholehearted in our approach And I love that we don't have to figure out together how we do that, but Jesus, he's already told us how. And if you turn with me in a copy of your scriptures to Matthew chapter 22, you'll see exactly what Jesus said. I invite you every week, bring a copy of the scriptures. I preach from the CSB. Bring a copy of the scriptures, have it on your phone, but I want you to see, hey, I'm I'm not making this up. This is the word of the living God that we preach here every week. So Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40, I invite you to stand as we read God's word. The Bible says this, teacher, talking to Jesus, which command in the law is the greatest? He, that's Jesus, said to him, love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40, all the law and the prophets depend on these two, is what Jesus said. High five three people. Tell them, love the Lord with your heart, soul, and mind, and have a seat. Now, this passage, this passage is is incredible because this is a command from Jesus. This is not a suggestion. This, This is a command. In fact, Jesus said, hey, 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 this is the greatest commandment. How many of y'all, um, when you read your Bible, show of hands, underline verses in your Bible, show of hands? How many of y'all, show of hands, read your Bible? Just want to know who to pray for. Yeah, when I read my Bible, I have a preaching Bible and I have a reading Bible. You, you go to my Bible that I read, there's stuff underlined in it. I circle, I write in the margins, I, I make notes. And some of us, man, we'll get up in the morning, we'll have our coffee, we'll have our verse, and we'll Instagram it. Hey, no filter, God's word, just studying, yeah, right? Put it on the gram. Jesus underlined this one for us. He underlined this one, highlighted this one for us, and said, hey, this is the most important thing in your life. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And then, love your neighbor as yourself. How do we do that? It's a good question. Over the next two weeks, we're going to slow walk this. We're going to look at it. We're going to look at each word. We're going to look at each sentence. We're going to look at Jesus' thoughts in the process. We're just going to double click because we believe the word of God is living and active and it searches the heart of man. And we want the word of God to search us. Jesus, the incarnate word of God, the man who is full of grace and truth, the inspired, inerrant word himself said, this is the greatest thing you can do. And Jesus has a way of getting to the heart of the matter. 
So we're going to look at it today and over the next two weeks. And before we just jump in with both feet, before we do, I don't assume that, that anyone in the room would just disagree with or really push back on what Jesus said here. Now, I don't know if that's the greatest. I don't know if Jesus said that. My assumption is we all would agree that, yeah, Jesus said that. I think the problem is, is many of us just aren't willing to obey it. Jesus said this is the greatest thing. And our lives, or the heart and our soul and our mind are to represent the living God. And if we're going to engage the whole person with the whole gospel anywhere, anytime, with anybody, we've got to be able to do this. Our senior pastor, Mike Glenn, says all the time, hey, the world isn't upset that Christians are different. The world is upset that Christians aren't different enough. And those that we're seeking to engage quite often wonder if we're half-hearted, self-absorbed, kind of making our way through life, partially obeying Jesus. But Jesus said the greatest thing you can ever do with your life is love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. So over the next couple of weeks, let's, let's jump in. And see how that can't transform our lives. Amen? So God, we ask that you would do in our hearts and our minds and our souls what only your word can do. I am inadequate, Jesus, but you are not. Help us to be your people who find our identity and our destiny in you. And man, we'd know our purpose and we would make a difference in this world. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? All right, so let's, let's begin to walk back through these verses Let's put verses 36 and 37 back up there and let's look at what Jesus said to them. He said, love the Lord your God with all your, what's the word in red? With all of your heart. We're gonna begin there today. And in in Hebrew, there's a a different connotation. Even in the Greek, there's a different connotation here. It's not so much an emotion. In Hebrew, it's it's like, it, it talks about like your gut and your bowel. It's this really complex idea when the scripture talks about your heart. When the scripture talks about your heart, it really begins to talk about, hey, this is your innermost self. This is, this is who you truly are. When, when the scripture talks about your heart, it says, hey, this is your deepest desires. This is your hidden secrets. Because out of the heart, the scripture would say, come our decisions and our will. That the heart can determine your life's trajectory. And Proverbs says, hey, above all else, guard your heart. So as we're, we're looking at the heart, you need to know, hey, we're looking at the innermost self. Kind of the core of who we are, good or bad, And we say, man, we're going to try to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. And as we examine our hearts, some of us are like, man, I'm trying. Some of us, we're getting there. Some of us, man, church is brand new. We're so glad that you're here. Always welcome here. But as we go, how do I do that? Do I just, do I try harder? Is it disciplines? Is it desires? What do I do? Or what what happens when I fail? Hello, how many of y'all have ever failed? How many of y'all have ever lied? If your hand's not up, put it up. What happens when we fail? Am I condemned? Am I rejected by Jesus if I don't do this each day of my life? If, if that were true, what does that say about Jesus? See, listen, wherever you are on the trajectory of doing this, you need to know that Jesus said, if I begin a good work in you, I'll bring it to completion. 
And I gave you the gift of the Holy Spirit, that my love is going to transform your heart. And through my love and through my grace, you're going to be free to obey me. And we're going to talk today about how do we begin to do that. We're going to begin today by really just kind of diagnosing our own hearts. Because at times we have a heart problems. Here's what you do. Show me your hand just like this. Now put it on your chest. Now close your eyes. Take a deep breath in. Let it out. That has nothing to do with anything for today, but just want to see if you were participating. <laughs> so how, how do we know if, if we have a little bit of a heart issue? Let me just give you some diagnosing questions, maybe, maybe some symptoms, because today is all about diagnosing our heart, and over the next two weeks, we'll begin to put more practical things that we can do, but how do we know? A couple of things here. One, I don't really want to listen to anybody. Have a hard time loving others, can't love anyone, can't, can't love myself, not really happy for anyone else's success, no amount of success is enough, I don't want to let go of grudges, or when, when it comes to my own spiritual life, well, does it really make a difference if I try to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, and mind? Does it really make a difference? Why bother? Symptoms. Any, anyone in the room? I know I had to run through that checklist. You have one of those? Two of those? All seven of those. You know, the Bible uses the word heart over 900 times. Over and over again, the scripture says, guard your heart. And guarding our heart, man, is part of our physical health, but it's also part of our spiritual health, that we gotta protect our hearts. And God wants you to discover, man, your purpose. He wants you to know your destiny in him. And he wants your heart this morning right where you are. So regardless of where you're at, all of the mess, all of the failure, whatever's in your past, Jesus wants, he wants all of it right where you are. Submit to his goodness, submit to his glory, where, man, you could enjoy this life, know your purpose, make a difference, live as God intends. And so what we have to do is we've got to make heart disease larger than big tobacco and fast food. Because 80% of all of our physical heart disease is curable, diet and exercise. But our Christian heart issues are avoidable as well. 90% of them are, are preventable with how we choose to live and follow Jesus. And so for the remainder of today, I want to give you a grid to look at because today is about just diagnosing our heart. So let's, let's put that grid up for a second. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to walk through this together. Jesus, love the Lord with all your heart. And what we're going to look at today is the difference between hard-hearted, half-hearted, and wholehearted. And church, let me ask you a question. What, what separates hard-hearted, half-hearted from wholehearted? What separates hard-hearted, half-hearted, and whole? I have given you the answer. What is it? Yes, like this is a test everyone can pass. The gospel, the fact that our God says, hey, I have chosen you. You were dead in your sins, but I have saved you and I've called you mine. And Romans tells us there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus that you didn't receive a spirit of slavery, but instead you received a spirit of adoption where you can now say to God, you are my Abba, Father. We have been predestined and those who he called, he has justified and those who he has justified, he's going to glorify. And then the scripture says, who can bring any accusation against us? No one. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? It's Romans 8, the gospel is what separates us. 
It's what moves us into new life, moves us into his purposes. And Jesus says, hey, love me with all of your heart, mind, and soul. But a hard-hearted person begins by saying, no, I just want what I want. I want what I want. Doesn't matter the question, whether it's in response to God or response to the culture. Hey, I just, I just want what I want. Any of y'all ever ask somebody a question and they answer you with, eh? Yes or no? Yeah? I'll talk to y'all over here. Anybody ever answer y'all like that? Eh? Ever had one of your kids do that? Hey, what would you like for dinner? Hey, did you like the, meh? Or you send a text message and, and you're waiting for those reply and you can see the three bubbles moving? Answer me! I know you saw it! Or, hey, what'd you think about the movie? Eh. Hey, what'd you think about this? Eh. What do you want to do tomorrow? Meh. Take a stance, man! But man, hard-hearted, we're just like, meh, I'll do what I want. Meh, I'll do what I seem right. Meh, meh. God is offering us life and purpose and joy. I tell you all the time, he's not a crotchety old man with a crooked nose and a pointy finger who's trying to take your life. He created you and he knows what's going to satisfy and sustain you. But so often we struggle with a hard heart that just says, meh, meh. But a whole heart, a whole heart says this. It says, yes, Lord. Doesn't even matter what the question is. There is a yes on my lips before it's asked because I know who God is. I know what he has for me. I know his character. I know his nature. I know his purposes. So regardless of what it is, it's yes, Lord. See the difference? Meh. Do what I want. Or, yes, Lord. Hard heart just says, hey, I want what I want even if it's wrong. And the Bible says it's what the flesh wants what the flesh wants. But the Spirit of God leads us to life. We want to move towards yes, Lord. But we also have half-hearted Half-hearted is more, hey, this is kind of what feels right in the moment. What feels right today? What makes sense to me today? Not, not really a standard in my life, not a guiding principle, a guiding conviction, a guiding truth. We just went through a series called True North. It says, regardless of what the day looks like, regardless of a shifting culture, I've got a true north in my life. Half-hearted, I don't know what feels right today. But whole heart says, man, I want what God wants because what God wants is good. And what God wants is my flourishing, even when it's hard, because God's way is best. My, my heart, my mind, and my soul is going to serve my king. So we begin to diagnose when God speaks to you and when, you, when your heart hears his voice, what response do you have? I, I look through this and you know, I'll confess, man, there have been times in my life, even as a pastor, where I'm like, meh. There are times where I go, depends on the day. There are still times where I'm like, yes, Lord. And then the yes, Lord, leads to joy and satisfaction. And I'm like, man, I want more yes, Lord, in my life. 
So we continue to kind of diagnose. I think there's a couple of words that you could put under each of these that would kind of identify what's happening in your life. When you think about hard-hearted, like a word that you could put there would be control. I just, I want to control. Any of y'all, no shame here, any of y'all like to control things? No shame, because I'm one of those people, I'm high D, so I love to control things. I, I, I want to be in charge, I want to make decisions, it needs to look like this, and when it doesn't look like the way I planned for it to look, it's not right, it's what? Wrong, yes. But I got I to gotta remember when it comes to following Jesus, serving my king, that, that there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, the scripture says it leads to death. And so God wired me with a particular personality, but I got to remember, man, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to be in control. I want him to be in control. Half-hearted, I think a word that you could put there would be comfort. I just want to do what feels right. I just want it to be easy. And man, I, I walked through village after village after village after village, and I looked at all of these incredible sad idols in the South Asian culture where they worship these statues believing that they're going to give them life. And you walk through our world and you don't see these small statues that we believe are going to give us life. We don't worship those idols. But I'm here to tell you that our culture worships the idol of comfort. I don't want to take a risk. I don't want it to be that hard. I don't want to take that giant leap of faith. That comfort rules, and it can rob from God's best. But I would put this word under wholehearted, and it would be Christ. Man, Jesus, I just want you. I just want you. And listen to me. I have been at every point on this journey. And whether you are wholehearted or half-hearted or wholehearted today, there's a God that takes you right where you are, puts you into his purposes and his plans. He says, come and follow me. And and quite often, we end up hard-hearted or half-hearted because we don't want to be broken-hearted. I don't want to be hurt again. So I'm going to protect my heart. Hey, I'm I'm going to be in control. I'm going to maintain my comfort because I don't want to be wounded. I don't want to be. I've stepped out there. I've put myself on the line and my heart has been broken. So I'm going to now control it and I'm going to put comfort around it because I don't want to be hurt. Can I just be real honest with you? Because there are a lot of people out there that will tell you a lot of things that aren't true about following Jesus. If you're wholehearted and following Jesus, your heart will get broken again. Not by God, but by this world. Jesus himself wept over Jerusalem. Jesus quite often was weary of the world he served. We'll have our hearts broken. But Psalm says God is near to those who are brokenhearted. And quite often we want to be half-hearted or hard-hearted just as a self-defense mechanism. We kind of want to wrap our heart up and we want to protect it. But C.S. Lewis says, hey, if you wrapped it up and you protect it, the only thing you do is turn it into a coffin. We say, Jesus, I want to follow you with my whole heart. And there's a parable that Jesus tells about a man who would go across scattering seed. We just walked through all of the villages, and it was an agricultural society, and you could see him out there scattering seed to 
to, to plant their livelihood. And he tells the story of a farmer that would go and cast seed. He says, some seed falls along the road. Other seed would fall among the rocky soil. Other seed would fall among the thorns and the bushes. But, but some of the seed, it would fall into fertile and good soil. And he said the, the seed that fell along the road, man, the enemy just snatched it away. The birds came and ate it up. The, the seed that, that fell among the rocky soil, it, it, it didn't grow because it didn't have a root. The seed that grew among the thorny soil, man, it started to grow, but, but then it withered. It's like the, the cares of this world take it away. But, but some of the seeds, man, it fell, fell on good soil. Man, it grew and it grew and it produced a harvest ten times. So as, as we diagnose our heart, as I go week in and week out, I'll go, God, I, I want to have fertile soil in my heart. So I put, put some of the different soil up here and you can look at it. Hard heart would, would be like the rocky soil. Word of God comes, but man, it gets snatched away. The enemy takes it. Thorny soil, man, it comes in and man, you want to grow a little bit, but man, the cares of this world, the desire for comfort robs it and it doesn't grow. But man, man wholehearted, it has, it has fertile soil, fertile soil to grow in. Fertile soil. And the re- Reality is every, every season of life, it's going to have its ups, it's going to have its downs. And we serve a God that will never leave us, never forsake us, never condemn us. Even, even if we shift back to hard-hearted seasons, even if we shift back to half-hearted seasons, even if we wonder. Have you ever heard the song, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love? It's because that's true of all of us, Amen. But what we're diagnosing today and saying, God, today, where, where's my heart? Is, is it fertile soil for your word? Proverbs 4.23 says, 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 guard your heart. So, so this week, your homework is to continue the heart diagnosis. And I, I'm going to give you three ways in addition to this grid. I, I want you to write these down. I'm going to walk through this grid. Walk through this grid of how you want to diagnose this. This is ways you can say, man, I want the gospel to kind of take root in my life. I want fertile soil in my life. And number one, first thing that you can say to the Lord is this. Say, hey, search me. Search me. Psalm 139. Invite the Holy Spirit into your life and say, God, have your way in me. Bubble up inside of me things that I want to suppress, things that I don't want to see. Search me. Look into my heart. Look into my life. Man, say, God, I am an open book. And the reason why you want God to search your heart and not yourself, because he sees things you don't want to see. There are things in my life I've lied to myself about that aren't really there. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about? There are things that I just have convinced myself aren't true, but I say, God, search my heart. Search my heart. And you start this by yourself, but you don't finish this by yourself. Man, it begins with you and the Lord, but then you need to take the next step and get into a group with us. We talk all the time about being in a life group with us. We have 21 groups that meet in our city to be on mission, to love one another, to care for one another, to equip one another. You need people in your life. You need a mentor in your life that's either gray or bald. 
need someone older than you that can walk with you. I've got men and women around me that speak life, speak truth to me. And you look at them at that season of life and go, how is your faith so alive? Everything that you've seen and everything that you've been through and everything that's been hard or difficult, how do you still praise the one true God? You need those sort of people in your life that as the Spirit bubbles things up in your heart, you can take it to them and say, man, the Lord's doing this in my heart. I don't know what to do with it. I'm thinking this and I feel this way and I don't want to and they can help you walk it through. Search me. Two, show me. Show me. Psalm 19. Did you, did you know that the scripture says that we are the apple of God's eye? We glorify him and him alone. But the amount of love and treasure and adoration that he has for you, Zephaniah says he, he delights in you. He sings over you. And, and after, after we seek him and he bubbles these things up, what, what we want him to show us is his love for us. Because when he exposes things, and man, there's, there's some dark parts of who we are. And when those things bubble up, what you need to have God show you is that, hey, you're still mine and I am still yours. That I began a good work in you. I'm going to bring it to completion. And you can trust me. You can trust my steadfast love. I can, I can trust that, man, the Lord is he's good. Show me, God, that you're not going to leave me. Because the reality is, abandonment is a big deal in our culture. We struggle with it. We're fearful of it. Because a lot of people in our lives and our history have left us. But God has a never-ending, never-stopping, always-and-forever love for you. So God, show, show me that. Show me that. And then lastly, seek ye. Matthew 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And what's amazing is when you do that, when you seek his kingdom first, something miraculous happens, church. When you seek his kingdom first, God ends up giving you the very desires of your heart. When your heart becomes wholehearted, when it's fertile soil, I'm seeking him first, your desires begin to sync up with his desires and your wants begin to be his wants. Seeking him first, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a sacrifice to self, but it leads to life because now I'm getting the fullness of what I was created for. And we're going to pray in just a minute, but, but as we do, the reality is, church, and there's two options. One, for you and for me, we can say, eh, it doesn't matter a whole lot whether I'm wholehearted or half-hearted or hard-hearted. It doesn't really matter. But in, the, in this life, I'm just going to do what I want. And I'll figure it out. I won't, I won't guard it. I'll just make it through each day. But how does that work? Does, does that lead you to like the place of peace and joy that, that you, you long for? It, it doesn't. So we, we can continue down a road that we know what it looks like. Or, or we can say, God, man, I'm, I'm going to look deep. I'm going to long for fertile soil. I'm going to say, search me. I'm going to say, show me your love. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to take one step this week. And like I told you last week in the video, one, one step. 
one action, one move, see if God's not faithful. See if God doesn't prove to be true. He says in his word, try me, test me. See that I'm not faithful and good and true. So that's the invitation before you, church. As we get ready to sing, I want to ask you just to, just to bow your heads for a minute. Close your eyes. I'm going to take a moment of reflection. Ask the Lord to reveal to you this morning if your heart is maybe hard or half or whole. And while that may seem scary to ask, it's the safest thing that you can do because God knows you. God sees you. And God already loves you. And he just wants to call you into a deeper life. Fullness of joy. Purpose. Destiny. And whatever God reveals to you, it's not going to be him condemning you. It's going to be him calling you into something more. So it's the safest thing that you can say God, show me. And if God would show you today that you're not a follower of Jesus, but you so long to be, the greatest step in your heart would be to say yes to Jesus and no to sin. To believe that God left heaven and came to earth, was crucified, buried, but rose again for you. And just like so many in this room have at one point in their life said no to sin and yes to Jesus, today in this moment you can say, God, I am a sinner in need of a Savior and I long to be your son or daughter. I believe that you are who you say you are. You did what you said you would do and save me today. And if that's you, take the communication card, mark that on there, tell somebody today, turn it in, let us celebrate that your heart went from death to life today is the greatest news. And for the believers in the room this week, one step. Jesus paid it all, and he's just inviting you to follow him. So, Lord, do a great work among our church. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together, church.